Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, June 19th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So gold has been trading pretty range-bound this week, fluctuating up and down in the 1710 to 1740 range. There's significant resistance at the 1750 level and a pretty solid floor at 1700. There are a lot of factors pulling gold in different directions right now. An uptick in coronavirus cases and the continuing civil and racial unrest are keeping a safe haven bid in play. On the other hand, there have been some moderately positive economic numbers coming out that have continued to fuel optimism about a quick economic recovery. The retail sales numbers that came out this week were particularly stronger than expected. As I record the podcast this morning, gold is up and trading on the high end of that range at about $17.35 an ounce. From a broader perspective, gold is up about 13% on the year. Now, given everything that's been going on, that seems absurdly low, to be honest. But bullish dynamics are definitely in play, particularly the promise of both more government and central bank stimulus. In fact, the Fed upped the ante again this week. I'm going to get deeper into that here in a minute. And of course, the Congress and the President are both talking about infrastructure stimulus, so more spending possibly coming down the pike. Anyway, there is some bullishness for gold in the mainstream. I just saw this morning that Goldman Sachs has upped its 12-month price forecast to $2,000 per ounce. That's up from its previous estimate of $1,800 an ounce. It's also raised the 3-month and 6-month price forecast to $1,800 and $1,900 respectively. Goldman sees the Fed's commitment to keep rates at zero until at least 2022 and its apparent willingness to let inflation go as positives for gold. Gold-backed funds continued to gobble up metal. ETF holdings hit another all-time high in May, as inflows in dollar terms have already set a yearly record just five months into 2020. In the this recovery is not going to be so fast category, last week's unemployment filings came in at an additional 1.5 million Americans. We've gotten numb to these numbers, but that's a staggering amount of people filing for jobless benefits in a single week, especially considering things are opening back up. You know, I mentioned in the show last week that there is some evidence that the Labor Department's jobs report in May that showed an unexpected increase in jobs and a drop in unemployment, that those numbers might be cooked. They were indeed cooked. I mean, I think you would be wise to suspect that any government number is cooked to make things look better than they actually are. But this time we have actual evidence. In fact, it was in the AP article that came out when the Bureau of Labor Statistics released its report. I'll link to my article about it in the show notes page because I don't want to get into all of the details. But the long and short of it is the BLS categorized a bunch of people as employed who weren't actually working. According to the AP report, had the mistake been corrected, the unemployment rate would have risen to 16.1% in May, while the corrected April figure would have been 19.5% rather than 14.7%. This information, of course, was buried in the very last paragraph of a 1,000-word article. So, yeah. I have some other stats in my article from a former Labor Department economist that showed the job situation is a lot worse than you're being told. You can check out my report when you get a chance. 
Okay, so let's talk Fed. The central bank was the big newsmaker this week with the Fed chair's little virtual trip to Capitol Hill and the announcement that the Fed is once again upping the monetary stimulus ante. By the way, when you hear all of this claptrap about a V-shaped recovery, ask yourself why. If that's true, that the Fed is still pouring stimulus into the economy like water out of a boot. If we were easing toward recovery, shouldn't the Fed be easing off the stimulus gas pedal? The bottom line here is the Fed has its big fat finger on the scales. Think about that image for a minute. I'm sure you've seen a balancing scale with a lot of weight on one side and somebody with their thumb on the other keeping it in balance. Well, what happens when the dude takes his thumb off? The other side slams down, weights fly off, you know, the chains get tangled up, you end up with this big mess. That's exactly what would happen if the Fed took its thumb off the economy. So on Monday, the central bank announced it would begin buying individual corporate bonds through its so-called secondary market corporate credit facility. The Fed put its toes in the corporate bond market back in May when it started purchasing ETFs holding a mix of corporate bonds. According to Business Insider, the Fed has bought about $5.5 billion in ETFs so far. Now it's going to begin propping up individual companies. Historically, the Fed has limited its purchases to government bonds, primarily U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. But the central bank has taken a buy-everything-but-the-kitchen-sink approach to stimulus in the wake of the coronavirus-induced government shutdowns. The U.S. Treasury gave the Fed $25 billion for the SMCCF as part of the CARES Act. The central bank is allowed to leverage that 10 to 1 and buy up to $250 billion in corporate paper. The Fed will create the additional $225 billion out of thin air. According to a press release, the Federal Reserve will build a broad and diversified portfolio of corporate bonds. I wish I could print money and build my portfolio, right? In effect, the Fed's foray into the corporate bond market will create artificial demand for corporate debt. It will boost bond prices higher than they otherwise would have been and hold interest rates down. In simplest terms, the central bank is manipulating the corporate bond market. The impact will almost certainly be more corporate debt at a time when companies are already leveraged to the hilt. I mean, that was reality before the pandemic. Remember, the Federal Reserve issued warnings about the increasing levels of corporate indebtedness late last year. So this is all meant to incentivize more borrowing by bankrupt companies. You know, this is exactly what the Fed has already done to the government bond market. Its intervention allows the bankrupt U.S. government to keep borrowing and spending. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. If you oppose big government, you should oppose the Federal Reserve's monetary policy. It is the engine that makes the massive U.S. federal government possible. The central bank, in a very real sense, is the key to socialism. Now, get this. In March and April of this year, the Fed effectively monetized 100% of the new debt taken on by the U.S. government. In March and April, the U.S. Treasury Department issued $1.56 trillion in debt securities to fund Uncle Sam's massive coronavirus spending spree. Meanwhile, in those same two months, the Fed bought $1.56 trillion in Treasury bonds. In simple terms, the Federal Reserve bought the equivalent of all of the debt issued by the U.S. government in March and April with money created out of thin air. 
Now, granted, the central bank doesn't buy bonds directly from the U.S. Treasury. That would actually be illegal. But it does purchase treasuries on the open market. So it's not literally buying the new debt that the government is issuing. But by inserting itself into the bond market, the Fed creates artificial demand for treasuries. Increased demand raises prices economic law. So by putting its thumb on the bond market, the Fed keeps prices up and interest rates low. Without the Fed interjecting itself, there would not be sufficient demand to fund all of this government borrowing, not without hugely massive interest rates. So minus the central bank, there simply wouldn't be enough buyers. If the federal government had to rely on tax receipts and the debt it could sell in a truly open market to fund all of its spending, it would be dead in the water. The ability to raise revenue through taxation would naturally limit the size of government. But with the Fed backstopping the borrowing and monetizing the debt, there is virtually no limit on government spending. Money is power, and the Federal Reserve serves as an unlimited spigot, pumping dollars into the system, enabling the biggest government in the history of the world to keep right on trucking. Without the Fed, there would be no unconstitutional foreign wars, there would be no massive unsustainable social programs, there would be no police state, there would be no corporate welfare programs, the federal government would truly be limited. But we live in a world where the central bank keeps its thumb on the scales, and as a result, we have this bloated, inefficient, big-spending government that is constantly interjecting itself into our lives. So the Fed chair went to Capitol Hill this week to talk up his policies. He didn't literally go to the Hill because, you know, we're still on coronavirus lockdown. So he went virtually to Capitol Hill. I like the term Peter Schiff used for this little trip, open mouth operations. It's actually interesting listening to Powell talk, especially if you enjoy reading between the lines. He's actually a really good politician. Now, I don't exactly mean that as a compliment. I'm just saying he's good at what he does which is blowing smoke, or if you want to be less generous, lying. For instance, Powell actually said that the Fed isn't monetizing the debt. Now, I just finished explaining that the Fed has to monetize the debt to keep the federal government afloat. But no, Powell said he's not even thinking about that. I call BS. He knows damn good and well that the central bank is monetizing the debt. He also said that the Fed is not quote, an elephant running through the bond market, but said they felt they had to follow through and buy corporate bonds because the plan was announced in March. In other words, a bunch of speculators bought bonds a couple of months ago because the Fed promised that they would buy them later. So the central bank has to keep its word for the benefit of the speculators. This reveals what the Fed's monetary policy is really all about. It's not about the economy. It's about propping up Wall Street. Oh, and Powell also so much as admitted that the Fed doesn't have an exit strategy from this extraordinary monetary policy. Senator Robert Kennedy asked how the central bank plans to shrink its balance sheet to a level that isn't, quote, otherworldly. Powell actually laughed at the question and then talked about the peaceful period from 2014 to 2017 when the Fed just froze the size of the balance sheet and let the economy grow into it. That's a really slick way of saying we don't plan on shrinking the balance sheet at all. 
Of course, we knew that. I've been saying it for weeks. Peter Schiff has been saying it for weeks. Keep in mind, when the Fed started trying to normalize after the 08 crisis, the market went into convulsions. Now we're even deeper into this. There is no exit strategy, and that is significant, because at some point, the Fed has to exit, or it has to let inflation go wild. We're talking hyperinflation. There's a nasty choice down the road for the Fed that it's going to have to make. And uh, quite frankly, neither of the choices is particularly good for you or me. So the Fed's thumb is on the economy. Fed's thumb is on the scales. It can't take it off. What do you do to protect your wealth? A Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist can help you figure that out. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or shoot him an email at info at shiftgold.com. These guys are great. They can help you out. So that's another gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of the stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can actually subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links to those things and all of the show notes over on the show notes page. Appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you again next week.